I'm on green here, so can't do anything else. All right, so um, first of all, I want to, I have a special, special day. First of all, my whole family's here, so I'm blessed. I got smothered with grandbabies, which is us. You need more what? More knees, <laughs> yeah. They were fighting over two knees. I only got two knees, but it's all right. And the other one is um, my beautiful wife and I tomorrow celebrate 35 years of being married. Woo! That's for her, I'm sure, not for me. Yeah, we got married when we were like eight, just so you know. Because <laughs> we're so young to be married so long. It's been quite a ride, so praise God. And God bless her, I'll tell you that, for sure. Got one thing, honey. Anyway, um, super kids, you are dismissed. God bless you. And we'll get right into the word. Let's give all our kids a big God bless you. Come on. I'm so proud of them. Ms. Turner had a birthday. We'd say happy birthday, but she's working. So she's up there with the kids, so praise God for Angie and all the team and everyone that's doing all these things. All right, let's get right into the word. Father, we just thank you for the word this morning. We thank you for where it will take us. We thank you, Father, for just being in the house of God this morning, Father. Father, it is how, like the psalmist said, Lord, how wonderful, how rich it is to be gathered together with our family, our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ in the house of God. And we, for that, we give you praise. We believe, God, that the word will go where it needs to go. And we will get a word in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. So we've been, um, you know, for a month now, because we started before January, on this quest of understanding kingdom of God and and the kingdom of God principles. And we're going to continue that, and we're going to kind of change some things. Um, Well, not really change. You're you're never really finished with the subject, so it's, you know, I'm going to, everything will be connected as it always is, as it is in this church. But next month, we're going to start, I'm um, kind of excited, so next Sunday, we'll start um, in a, a new series. It's just basically, we're going to deal with four basic Bible fundamentals. So you don't want to miss February, because we're going to build a foundation. Everything that has a solid foundation works. And the title of, I'm kind of getting you prepped for next series, is Foundations for Success. How many would be interested in learning some of that, right? How to raise your family, how to save money, how to pray, how to activate your faith. So we're going to cover a lot of these things. Um, starting next, um, next week. I say next month, but next month's tomorrow, so yeah. Praise God. All right, let's get, um, this morning I want to kind of summarize a lot of what we've been talking about, and, and I pray that the clock cooperates with me, because I do want to finish what I prepared, and I started with three scriptures, and then I ended up with three pages, so we'll see how it works. Um, I have a slide up there. There you go. You guys got it. Thank you. So let's go, first of all, to Romans chapter 14, verse 17, and we're going to start, we're going to talk about kingdom God-focused, and why it's really important, because focusing is one of the major things that you struggle with. You agree with that statement? And they say right now, with all the technology, and these kids on their phones and iPads, it says that, that a goldfish has a longer attention span than most people. <laughs> is that true, KJH, or not? Six seconds of attention span. And we need to, you know, sometimes you just got to put everything down because if you're not careful, you get in the bad habit of losing focus. And one of the worst places you can lose focus is in the kingdom of God because success in the kingdom of God is, is you know, making a quality decision to stay there till Jesus comes for you or you go to Jesus via the grave. I mean, there's just no other, and that's the focus. And there'll be all kinds of, different things to come to you, to distract you, to pull you away from that, to mess with you, and, um, 
you know, sad to say there's a lot of people that used to come to church and they lost focus, you know. They lost focus through all kinds of things. You can get offended, you get mad, you know, you can not agree with somebody. And this is what I always tell people, you know, I mean, if you're going to leave the church, <laughs> you mean, you're going to pray that kind of through because people are imperfect. You know, people leave the church because of people, not, mostly not because of God. You know, they get mad at people, somebody, and you think about what, what, what is the price to pay when you lose focus there? Well, it's pretty heavy. And, you know, and, and a lot of things in your life, as you know, so like I said, the series are going to be plugged in together because success in any area really depends on how focused you are in it. Can I hear an amen? I don't care what area. You want to lose weight? Focus. As you can tell, I haven't been focused. That's all right. <laughs> Spend all my time trying to teach you all something. I don't have time to work out. Just, that's a lie. That's a lie right out of hell. But, um, you know, you focus on your business. How about focusing on your marriage? You know, my wife and I celebrate 35 years tomorrow, but that, there were many, many, many opportunities in the last 35 years where either of us could have lost focus and gone our separate ways. But, you know, you make a commitment to, to make it happen. Say amen. So, let, so kingdom of God is the same thing. The more you're, you're, you train your brain, your thinking pattern, and we'll get to that. I'm kind of super ahead of myself now, but you'll train your brain to that thinking pattern of seeing things through the lens of kingdom thinking it really begins to change your approach and your attitude towards a lot of things in life. Amen? So the first one here, Romans 14, 17, I'm just going to go through some of these really, kind of shotgun through these really quick, but it begins to tell us what the kingdom of God is made of. You know, what, what are the expectations of living a kingdom of God life? So right off the bat, Paul says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In other words, it's not a natural thing. It's not a flesh realm or a world realm thing. He says, but what it is, it's righteousness, the word righteousness is an old English word for simply meaning right standing with God. Imagine how, what your thinking would be if you knew you were right standing with God. Imagine how your prayers would be if you just knew you were in right standing with God. And how about the next one, peace? Anybody like that one? That's the number one pursuit in my life for the last, you know, 10 years. You know, it's just, it's not about anything else. Just have peace in your life. Amen? And then the other one, I like this one, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So he says, you know, right off the bat, he says, the kingdom of God, first of all, is not a natural thing. It is made up of three principles. He said, one of them is you're a righteous person. You've been righteous not because of you. You've been righteous because of Jesus. It is, it is about having peace in every realm of your life, spirit, soul, and body. And the other one is joy. So I don't want to, like I said, I'm not going to want to preach this too much, but joy is simply, joy is not being giggly and laughing all the time. Joy is knowing that everything's going to be all right. Can I hear you, man? You're going to have a major crisis in your life, and right here, you got joy. Because right here, you know the Holy Spirit says, we're going to get through this thing. But you know what else he's going to say? We're going to get through this thing if you stay focused. Because <laughs> God never has lost a battle yet. Can I hear an amen? amen? He doesn't lose. All right, so let's keep moving. In Luke, Jesus speaking now, he says, the kingdom is not discovered in one place or another. Listen to this statement. This is the right out of the mouth of Jesus. It's for the, king, for the kingdom realm is already expanding Within some of you, and you talk about opening a lot of area of pursuit and teaching and trying to, the idea that the kingdom of God expands, but look where it expands inside of you. So, you know, when we're talking about kingdom of God, yes, the beginning of this series, if you're new to watching what we're doing, is kingdom of God is simply the way God does what he does. The rules, the parameters, and just like any other kingdom, there's borders. These aren't natural borders. These are spiritual borders. There are guidelines. And boy, I've had some interesting conversations this week regarding some of this stuff with people. 
But, um, you know, the kingdom is pretty set like this is the way it is. You know, you want to work in it, and you begin to grow. But look where it is. It resides in you. And I, and I brought up a little note from my studies. It's, you know, when you, when you translate this text from the Aramaic, the implication is that God's kingdom realm is a person. That just kind of blew my mind when I was studying this. I'm like, so now we're going from God's method of operations to also the presence of God. And, I've, you know, I've said this many times. I said, in, in heaven... The atmosphere of heaven is the peace of God. Think about that. The air you breathe in heaven is the atmosphere of peace. It's an atmosphere of love. And you can't have peace and love unless you have a, well, you can't have love unless you have a person behind it or, you know, or a being. You know, we're not, God is a spirit. But it says, you know, the implication is that, that the kingdom realm is a person. Jesus Christ, the reality of God's kingdom, appears when Jesus lives within us by faith. So, what, what is this saying? So when you say, Jesus come into my heart, he brings himself into your life, but he also brings his kingdom. But here's the, kick, here's the kicker. Here's the, the one that's going to help you understand. If you go back to, not to the note, but it says expanding. And that's where I think we need to kind of address a little bit because I stand from a position as a pastor that's been doing this, you know, at least pastoring close to 27, 28 years, so you see a lot of people, you've had a lot of conversations with hundreds and thousands of people in different countries of the world, but even, even within our local church and our local communities and the people that we interact almost on a daily basis, you, you see, you know, you really see basically two classes of people within a church. You see people that it just, and it has nothing to do with how long you've been in the church. I want you to listen to this because it has nothing to do how long you've been in the church. You can walk in the church today, you'd be watching me online this morning and say, man, I don't even know Jesus. Let me tell you something. In God's eyes, it's not about how long you've been doing something, it's how much faith you have in it. And you can walk into the things of God straight from the street, and I've seen this. These are things I've seen. I've seen people walk in from really bad lifestyles, you know, involved in, in I mean, jail and all kinds of things. I mean, pretty bad stuff. They come in, they get a hold of God, and within months, it seems like their life just begins to revolutionize. And thing after thing after thing gets fixed, and they have a testimony. I'm, I'm saying, man, that person just walked. And then you see other people that have been in church for many, 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 many years, and they just struggle, you know, they just kind of bump through life, and you're saying, what's going on? Well, I tell you what's going on, it's very simple, the kingdom is not expanding within them. Amen? One person said, I'm in, I got no religion, I just, you know, this is who I was, this is kind of how my approach, I was in such a destructive lifestyle, that when I came to God, I just, you know, just like I was in the world, I, I became with God, I'm all in, you know, I didn't leave anything out. And the kingdom of God will expand to those that have that hunger for righteousness, to those that have that hunger for peace, to those that have that hunger for joy. You know, those, those that really say, you know what, my pursuit of kingdom is bigger than all the drama in my life. That's a word for somebody, right? Look at all the drama people surround themselves with. Well, tell you, you know, one of the things about it, when you, when you begin to think kingdom thinking, things go into an eternal perspective and I don't have a lot of patience for hardly any drama anymore because it's just a waste of time. Amen. Amen. We could just close the service. Y'all go home. Be drama-free this week, right? <laughs> it just takes a lot, man. It's strife. It's fighting, infighting. You know, you're, it's just all kinds of crazy stuff. So let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of realm, God comes with power, not simply impressive words. Now, Paul makes another statement. He says, you know, the kingdom of God is not just impressive words. And I was thinking about you know, some of the conversations I had this week. I might share some of them later on a long, long Facebook thread. But it was, you know, you see people that can use very impressive words, 
and way beyond my ability. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how eloquent you speak, it's really, is there fruit in your life of what you say you are? Amen? And Paul simply said, you know, we, and this guy's, this, by the way, this is a guy that had impressive words. <laughs> this guy was a school guy. He was very well trained. Very, he was the only one of the Jesus Evangelistic Association, if I mention that. He didn't see Jesus face to face. I mean, he didn't walk with Jesus. I'm talking, you know, from the beginning, he did see Jesus face to face. But through a vision. But this is the only one of, all the, of the 12 that had an education. And he was very well trained in speaking, and he was a very well trained as a public speaker. But he realized something when, when God called him, and, in, and also in the book of 1 Corinthians, around chapter 2, he says, I didn't want to come to you just on, based on my knowledge of scriptures. I wanted to come to you with a demonstration of power. Everybody say power. power. You know, what you need out there in that world is power right now. You don't need a lot of theology. You need some power. You need theology. I like theology. I, I love to study the Bible, man. I, I, I dig. I dig. I like to dig. But at the end of the day, I could know everything about Paul's journeys and about the Torah and everything else. But when you get a bad doctor's report, that's not going to help you one bit unless all that information has been transferred into kingdom thinking. Because now it's not just a lot of Bible, it's God's word. God said. Everybody say God said. So then you begin to see that it's not about impressive words. The kingdom has manifestation. And, and you know, I would not be in this doing this after all these years if God does not keep just showing up with amazing supernatural things in my life. You know, you can sit there and if you want to just explain everything away, you know, about, oh, that's a coincidence, that's a coincidence. The funny thing is that before Jesus, I had a lot of coincidences, but they were all bad. Anybody remember that? I had lots of coincidences, and they were all really bad. They were coincidences of we always were sick, we always were broke, I was always in trouble, got in trouble with the law. I mean, if I started a business, it would go broke. I would have car wrecks. Anybody remember that? A lot of coincidences. Well, if we imagine that, I gave my life to Jesus in 1992, and then I began to have a lot of good coincidences. So it's not a coincidence. It's the influence of God in your life. Amen? So, and it comes from, from kingdom understanding. And again, you know, we've seen the premise of the series was we're watching a world that doesn't know what to do. They don't know what to do with the economy. They don't know what to do with the virus. They don't know what to do with any of it. And people that have placed their trust in science, you know, the God science, the God of the atheists, they don't, they'll not say that, but it's their God. You know, science is their religion. Well, their religion let them down because their religion can't figure out what to do with the virus. Amen. And if we're not careful, the church gets sucked into that kind of thinking, and there's a lot of wonderful Christian people love Jesus. They are locked up in their houses today full of fear of COVID. I think you should be smart, but if you're going to be governed by fear, you have very shallow understanding of kingdom. I'm just being honest with you. If you are swallowed by fear, listen to me online, church. If you are swallowed by fear, you need to work this thing through because it's a very shallow understanding of the kingdom. That doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you inferior anyway. It just means you need to work on some things and start growing up and start maturing and start spending time in the areas that you are missing it. Because fear will ultimately destroy everything in its path. Hebrews chapter 2 says that Satan controls the world system, that system that we're talking about, through fear. You know, stock markets control through fear. The pandemic's all about fear. Hey, man, we've made such a mess with this pandemic, the way they've handled it. With, I mean, it, okay, 
Let me get off the pulpit so it doesn't look unholy. I'll just get, I'll just vent once. So now that you're supposed to wear two masks, that's what science now says? That's what Dr. What's-His-Face with an F? Dr. Fu oh, no, I, didn't, I didn't say Fuchi. You said Fuchi. I mean, I respect the guy, but he's been getting it wrong since it started, you know? So, I mean, and he's an expert. So I'm not poking at it. I'm just saying that system, you can't trust it. But we got another system that's been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, has gone through endless crises, has gone through endless pandemics, has gone through endless wars, and the word still holds true, and the word has not gone anywhere, and this Bible still produces positive things in your life if you spend time in it. So this is, a, this is way more solid foundation than any of that stuff out there. Amen? So listen now to, let's, let's, let's start breaking into the focus. So, you know, it is about power. It is about a manifestation so, you know, if you're coming to church and your life is broken on many areas, hopefully within a few months, some of those areas get to start canceling out. Say, this got fixed, this got fixed, this got fixed, because that has to be the natural process of what we do. And that's where, that's where all this doesn't matter. Church, the building, praise and worship, none of that matters unless we leave this building with some information that can help our family, our marriage, our health, our finances, Raising our kids, believing God to get our kids back from drugs and all the mess that people live in. Can I hear an amen? So that's what this is about. So now let's look at focus. Second Corinthians chapter 4, you know, just, um, you know, the second letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Now pay attention to this thing. For the things that are seen are temporal or temporary. And here's how I want you to get it. I got this word from Dr. Jerry Savelle many, 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 many years ago, and it just stayed with me. It's one of those little golden nuggets that stayed with me probably for the last 26 years of my life. He says, if you can see it, it is subject to change. Glory to God. Say that with me. If I can see it, it is subject to change. So that is, you know, is that, so it says, while we look at things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, pay attention now, but the things which are not seen, those things are eternal. I got some great news for you. Guess what? COVID will pass. There might be some other stuff coming down the pipe, but this thing will pass. It will go away. And then we'll be back to all our other different crises that we had before COVID, right? <laughs> but, you know, you see things in your life, and you can look at your life. Well, Pastor, you know, my life has all these issues in it. I understand. So can you see them? Yes. I deal with them. I live with them. I live with her. It's like, come on, let's just go, because that's what you see every day, right? The, the biggest problem you got is the one that you see in the mirror. Some of you Yep, that's the big one right there. But he does say those things are temporary. So now he's beginning to talk about focus. Because now, what do you spend most of your time focused on? Are you focusing on things that will pass, will change? And that's all you think about? Because people, it's amazing how people that have a tendency to like drama, let's bring that up again. There, there's, have you noticed people, and you know, how many know somebody that just, well, don't raise your hand because that might be you. But um, <laughs> so, every, every, ever since you know, for the last 20 years, there hasn't been one instance that they're not involved in some kind of drama. Do you know those people? And every drama is the biggest crisis ever at that moment. Somebody said, somebody posted, somebody didn't shake my hand, somebody, whatever. Once that gets resolved, they jump immediately to another drama. 
And thank God for social media, because we can all sit back and watch it. Because now they go and post all their drama, right? It's not enough you have a lot of drama, now we, you know, like if anybody cared. But if you focus on all the things that are, God already said are temporary, you're never going to be able to focus on kingdom of God. And that is where really a lot of the things that you learn in church is not about, and, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping super ahead, but I, I want, I'm trying to get to where I need to go. That's why I'm, but you know, a lot of the things that you hear in church, it's not about God trying to control you. It's not about a God trying to, you know, if God says, hey, I don't think you should be lying to anybody, that's not about controlling you. That, that means that if you just speak truth, you'll avoid a lot of drama. Some people might not like the truth. You might not like the truth. But I'll tell you once, once truth is spoken, there's no, there's no area for drama. It's pretty usually, you know, that's, this is truth, right? But, you know, so when God says don't lie, it's not about trying to control you. I'm just using lying as an example. There's a lot of things God told us not to do. But it's all about saying, hey, we are in pursuit of this life of righteousness. We are in pursuit of this life of peace. And we're in pursuit of a life of joy. And I'll tell you, the things in my life, like, you know, right now I had all my grandkids suffocating me over here. You know what? That produces tons of joy in my life. That is like the happiest I ever been. They go to the house, they all pile up on, on the couch, and we have all these really nice couches, and no, they got to sit, like, on top of me, you know, so we got to adjust, and I got, we're watching a movie, I'm like, Monica says, parece mamá pollo. <laughs> For all the white people that don't, I'm not, I'm not even going to translate that, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Have to do with chickens and mothers, that's all. All right, let's keep going. What we focus on, these are just simply statements that I'm making, I want you to think about, can either bring good or evil, right? If all you focus on is the pandemic, the end result will be absolute fear of death. Amen? Amen. I mean, if you focus on the things of God, then they produce peace. You know, I made a decision early in January to watch limited amounts of news because, and I'm beginning to notice the less news I watch, the more joy I have. Amen? You know, we'll flip over to the Victory Channel. That's on all the time. And, you know, you'll watch other shows and documentaries and stuff like that. But, you know, the news comes on. It's, you know, talking heads always negative, always complaining about something. The right complains, the left complains, everybody complains. And then you're like, yeah. And then pretty soon you're like, just turn the thing off. Because focus will cause things to come. Think about everything in my opening statement. If you focus on your health, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get healthier. Y'all don't want to hear that this morning. Okay, I'll try it on this side. If you focus on your health, this I didn't want to hear that one. You'll get healthier. If you focus on your business, your business will be better. If you focus on your marriage, your marriage will get better. If you focus on your kids, your kids will get better. But if you don't focus on, you focus on other things, what happens sometimes we focus on one thing that is not really important, or can I say it this way, we focus on things that are temporal and things that God wants you to focus on that will change your destiny and your life and cause an internal influence are not getting developed. So the kingdom of God in you is in you because Jesus brought it with him. So it's not like, Pastor, how do I get the kingdom of God in myself? No, Jesus came with the kingdom. He is the kingdom. And he is the king of the kingdom. But he says it expands. And it will not expand, I'm telling you right now, church, unless you focus. All right? So, so that's our today's lesson. So let's keep digging in. Now, let's go into some more scriptures. I'm just going to give you a lot of word. I'd rather let the word preach itself this morning. Matthew 6, and 23, Jesus speaking, says, The light of the body 
is the eye. Now pay attention now. If therefore thine eye be single, <clears throat> single, that's kind of old English, meaning focused. In other words, if your eye is focusing on the right things, your whole body will be full of light. So now he's saying, wait a minute. So he's talking about a spiritual concept, but he's, he's bringing in the natural body. So you've got to think about this now. He says, if you focus on light, referring to God, because First um, John says God is light. Amen? It's a reference to him, to his presence, to the glory, to all things good. So light is not just I'm focusing on a light bulb. He's talking about the goodness of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God, all these things. He says, but then he says, if, you, if your eye is focused on this, then your whole body will be full of the presence, the life, the power. And, and, and as we navigate through this pandemic and as we deal with what we have to deal with, you have to, you see, that's what I'm saying. You've got to focus on kingdom thinking because if I make a decision, I'm already, you know, if I make a decision that my focus is the things of God, I don't worry about COVID. Well, pastor, don't you care? No. Come on, I grew up in Mexico. God knows what I ate down there. I would eat tacos outside of Mexico City bus terminal. I don't know if it was dog meat or cat meat or rat. They were just good tacos. Who knows what, on some of these travels, you drink dirty water. You got all, I mean, nasty stuff all over different countries. I don't get sick. Never been down, you know, because I got sick somewhere because I drank dirty water. But what's going on now? I'm focusing on light. It's not that I'm, you know, you're not, we're not better than anybody else. It's just like, oh, you know, no, no. It's just, what is your focus will produce. Now, if you travel the world, which I wouldn't recommend, and you're just full of fear of everything, HH and I were in Istanbul, Turkey, and it was almost, almost like a joke because there was a bombing right before we flew in at the airport, and then we were only there for a few days, and he flew back, and I went to Ukraine. And on my way, between me coming back to Turkey, because that was where we had flown out of Istanbul, there was another bombing at the airport. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, we're just kind of doing this thing, right? Go, go to a conference, and there's bombings going around. You know, if you're going to operate, well, what's, aren't you afraid of that? Stay home. Just stay home. Don't go anywhere. Because as soon as you activate that fear, your eye, well, the, it starts with the butt, right? So he's going to about to disqualify everything. He says, but if your eye be evil... Now, that's kind of a big word, because evil is like, just mean? No, what does evil mean? First of all, evil means something that is dark, something that is wrong, or something, it not necessarily has to be something so fear is an evil thing. So if I, I'm just using that as an example. You can apply it to every area of your life. It says, but if your eye be evil, in other words, the light of the body's eye, but if your eye be evil, why would it be evil? Very simple, because it's not focused on light. That's what makes it evil. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, it, your whole body shall be now full of darkness. So Jesus is pretty much saying, look, guys, what you see is what you will eventually get full of. Now, if all you see is the things of God and the principles of God, and you try to study them and you try to figure them out on your own, and you don't just say, okay, that was a sweet sermon, and go home and never think about God till next Sunday, you're not gonna, your kingdom of God in you is not going to expand. It's expanding this morning, but it's going to stop expanding till next Sunday. And I'll tell you what, in today's time and age, you can't afford to wait for next Sunday for this thing to expand. You've got to be feeding it, thinking about it, talking this over with your family over the table. We have, you know, even our, in our house as pastors, 
especially with the, with the privilege of, of raising Caden and all these things, we, you know, especially with him, we talk a lot about these things because that kid's been in ch- church pretty much his whole life. And, and, and he sees and he hears the inside conversations and he sees the inner struggles of the church and he sees the people that get it and he sees the people that don't get it and he asks questions. And I, I, and I keep bringing him back to these principles. I said, your life will be good not because of me. Your life will be good because of that. You teach your kids about stuff like that. You got to have these open conversations. You got to say, look, this is the way it is with God. Now, you know, if you don't want to do it, you're not going to have a good ride. So he's, Jesus finishes this, if therefore the light that is in thee, this is so amazing, this statement, be darkness. In other words, it's not really a light, but you've made a choice to focus on the things that, that cause darkness. So if therefore the light is in you, be dark. How great is the darkness? So what is the thing that we all know about darkness? You can't see where you're going. You don't know where you're walking. Darkness brings confusion. You know, you know, darkness brings mystery. Darkness doesn't clarify things. So a lot of people live in this dark thing, and they'll come to church with the wrong light, and even the Word of God doesn't, can hardly penetrate it because they've already got these preconceived ideas, and they're all wrong. And light will not penetrate that until you begin to say, okay, I'm willing to be teachable. I'm willing to make the adjustments. I'm willing to do what I need to do. Now, let's keep going. Let's see if we, how far we can get. Proverbs 28, 22 says, He that has to be rich hath an evil eye, and consider not the poverty that shall come upon him. Now, that, that, what I wanted to pull out of here, it's not so much about, about resources, but that idea says, He that has to be rich has an evil eye. So previously... You know, that is what Jesus said, if your eye be evil. Now, we know with, with, with our culture, you guys know what you call it, and it's kind of a, a joke, and it's kind of, I hope you're not that person if you are get delivered. But we have this thing, you know, we don't, we don't believe in it, we don't use it, and it, to me it's actually pretty, I guess with social distancing it kind of changed. But you remember how I heard this thing called ojo? <laughs> you can't hardly have a baby because somebody wants to cover their eyes. Get your dirty little hands on my baby. What you talking about, you know? Well, where does that come from? That comes from this. That is some, you know, that, that there's, it's, it's involved with witchcraft and all these things. But the idea of having an evil eye. So the reason I'm pointing it out is because Jesus mentions it, but Jesus wasn't the first one to mention it. Solomon mentioned it because he called it, he that has to be rich, he that hasted to be rich has an evil eye. Now, what he's talking about is he that just has to pursue money, pursue wealth. There's nothing more important as I and considers not that poverty shall come upon him. But the point I'm making out of here is that the evil eye represents the wrong focus. And if all your, in this case, this is not really the central theme of the message, but in this case, it's somebody that their only thing in life is money. Well, you know what, people like that, you know, most of us realize, hopefully you have realized it. If you haven't, <laughs> realize it today and, you, and you'll save yourself a lot of headaches. Money doesn't answer everything. Amen. You can have all the money in the world and have a lot of problems, right? And you can have no money and have a lot of problems. But money is just one of those things. But you know those people that their whole world is about that. They, they don't consider God. They don't consider anything. And, and, and he's already calling out. He says, that's an evil way of looking things. So now I begin to see what, 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 what would be the definition of an evil eye? In other words, an eye that's not focused. Well, very simply, is everything that you over-focus, or let me put it this way, that you're over-focusing what God would say, do. So in other words, God, you know what the word said, but you're like, no, I'm not going there. I'm going to f- do my thing. Then you begin to operate in that darkness. 
Because God, you know, he didn't, he didn't give you suggestions. He gave you ideas that will change your life. He gave you things that will keep you from dying. Say amen. You know, this is not a joke. You know, a very, 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 very close friend of mine, brother, I mean, not physical brother, but closer than even a brother, uh, went away, passed away last Saturday. And I've, I'm, the whole week I've been dealing with it because he was one year older than me, a very close friend of mine. You know, he's in the, I got like the three top friends in my life. And, and, it, and, it, and it, it bothered me, you know, it, it hurt me. And, and you see that it, it is real, you know, that, that he had complications. And yes, it was related to COVID. And obviously COVID didn't kill him, but the complications he had dealing with diabetes and so forth. But, you know, you see these things. And, and it, as a Christian, you're like, oh, you know, that's, that's, that's hard, that's difficult. And he left all these little kids, and it's just like a complicated mess. But you begin to see, you know, we're all, we all are subject to the same thing. Now, I know he's in heaven because, he, you know, he loved God. But my point is, I, can I, I, if I focus just on that, then I'm going to get sucked into thinking, well, maybe what if I get COVID? Because, you know, the devil's good about that. Come on. He's an expert at pointing out little fear things, little, little fear seeds. And it's all about getting your eyes off of it. And, you, and, and if, you're, if you're not careful, you begin to think about that, right? So you can be, it has, it, what I'm trying to get you to understand, this is not just about being hyper-spiritual or being a goody-goody little Christian, is what you focus on will grow in your life. And it doesn't take a lot for weeds to grow. Actually, weeds grow a lot faster than good, good plants. Huh? And the devil will plant little seeds of weeds all in your little brain with one little thing. It doesn't take a lot. Somebody said something. Somebody said something. Somebody died of COVID. Something this, you know. Look at, look at the situation. Look at, you know, right now, for example, some of the, which I think are bad decisions that the government's making regarding the oil field and so forth. And down here, you know, that's going to trickle down into our neighborhood. But here's again, for all the oil field workers, those of you watching my, my heart goes out to every one of you, except for the ones that voted for the, this guy. I'll be honest with you. He promised he was going to do it, so he's doing it. But guess what? Who's your source? Huh? Who's your source now? Because if, if the oil fills your source, you've you, you're, 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 you're got darkness because that God's going to fail you. Amen? Who is your source? Because if your source is, well, that's all I know how to do, you're limiting God. Because God could invent something for you. He could create all kinds of the different things to happen in your life. So what you see is going to grow. And, and again, this guy, he says that this guy focused just on making money. So at the end, he didn't consider anything else. He didn't consider anybody else. He didn't consider his family. That's a picture that it points. That's all his focus. And at the end, what happened to him? Poverty came to him. And then it doesn't have to be necessarily financial poverty. There's a lot of rich, rich, rich people that die every day with nobody around their deathbed. Because guess what? While they were making money, they, be, they became people that nobody could stand. Huh? Because that was their focus. And that's sad, you know, because some people, if they don't mold their character, pretty much everybody just separates themselves from them. And it's sad to see that even within the Christian community, right? No, because it really is about focusing, you know. And, and we're going to try to hit some of these things this, this morning, so we'll, we'll cover now, the evil I just referred to in Matthew 6.23 belongs to the person who has made seeking riches more important than seeking God. It happens when our focus is divided between the things of God and getting rich. Now, that's just a little statement on, the, on that scripture. 
We give strength to whatever we focus on. If we focus on our weakness, guess what happens? It grows. Whatever you focus on will grow. So this morning, you know, you kind of have to do a little soul searching, I guess, after church or this week. Maybe you and God and say, okay, make, I'm not, when I say soul searching, I say, like, get a piece of paper out and say, what are the things that I am so obsessed with that don't line up with the word of God? And, and begin to really make this self, you know, inventory, I guess, about how, what are you focusing on? Amen? What are you focusing on? Because that thing is growing in your life, and it's going to grow both ways. Now, let me um, go to this one. 2 Corinthians 10. Now we're going to get into the meat. I think I'm, I'm, I'm good with the clock. I think we can finish this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Carnal means flesh. You know, as, as Hispanics, we understand carne, carnal. He says, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, let's talk a little bit about what is a, a stronghold. In the Bible, a stronghold is, had two functions. It was designed to keep things out or designed to keep things in. It was a fortress that is created to keep things out or keep things in. Well, Paul is saying strongholds get built in your head. And I think this is one of the areas, I mean, you could do a whole six-month series based on spiritual warfare. I've heard all the funky stories. I've heard some of the crazy, charismaniac things you've ever heard when people talk about spiritual warfare, and they were all wrong. And there were people in, in central Mexico. We, my house is about 30 kilometers as the crow flies to a massive volcano that is very active. It's always spewing ash and lava. And it could wipe out, you know, if that thing blew up, it could wipe out our community and a bunch of other communities. And it's between Puebla and Mexico City, and millions of people live there. And these Christians decided that they were going to, this was years ago, because the, 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 the volcano was dormant for ages, and it woke up about 20 years ago. And now it's consistent spewing ash and all this. Um, well, when it first happened, I remember there were a lot of pastors, and I knew some of these pastors, and I thought, well, now they're good guys. But they got wrapped up in something that I didn't agree with. And they said, you know what? Um, we need to go and fly over the volcano and pray and rebuke it because, you know, we need to. And they were, they were using this. We got to do, fight spiritual warfare. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Amen. <laughs> you know, back in the day, the Aztecs would throw people into the volcano to keep it quiet as a human sacrifice. And I said, well, I don't know. That might work. We could send a few down from... Shut up, Pastor Bucks. <laughs> Currently serving within the U.S. government and see if it calms down. But, you know, they were going on to the spiritual warfare and then you got... Not, not, none of you guys, look at your person and say, you look kind of normal. Just, just tell them that. You look kind of normal, Alberto. Just, kind, just a little bit, not, not a whole lot. So now you got people that get hyper-spiritual. We're going to work this thing through, and it's going to help you. I'm just you know, trying to break the ice here. You guys are very intense this morning. So, you, you know, like I said, you're, hopefully you're not in the church, but you know you got people that see a devil and everything? You remember that movie? What was that movie years and years and years ago that came out where the mom would see a devil and everything? Was it The Water Boy or one of those? <laughs> I repented for watching it, by the way. I'm good. Jesus and I are good after that. But it's like people walk around like there's a devil in everything. You know, if the door should sound, the devil. No, that was the wind. 
Devils everywhere. Devils, and they're casting devils out of the soup and devils out of the car and devils out of the, you know. That's not how this works. The biggest devil activity lies right between your ears. That's where most demonic work is happening. And he tells you it's happening there. But it is about focus. Again, he says the weapons of our warfare are not in the flesh. You know, you're not going to go out there and change things by picketing and being contrary and posting a bunch of stuff. He says, they are mighty through God to pulling down the strongholds. Then he tells you how it works. He says, by casting down imaginations or images and every high thing that exalts itself the knowledge of God. Come on, you ready? And bringing into captivity every thought of, to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? That means, as Kenneth Hagin said, I think I got the quote up here. This is a Kenneth Hagin quote. We cannot stop the birds from flying over our heads, but we can prevent them from building a nest in our hair. In other words, we have the authority to cast out the thoughts that do not conform to God's will and actively focus on those that do. Because in your daytime, in your, in your being awake hours and even being in your sleep hours, guess who's bombarding you with thoughts? Satan is trying to pour every negative, dumb thought in your... I mean, and it's, it's constant... It's every day, and he'll do it from every way. That If he can just get you to thinking the wrong way, then the whole thing's going to line up to that. And so the battle for the, for the human person, spiritually speaking, is the battle for the mind. On one side, you got God trying to renew your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, right? And then on the other side, you got the devil trying to pollute your mind. With everything from fear to pornography to dumb stuff to just wasting your time. To depression, to drug use, to everything. He's just pounding your head. Pounding your head. And what do we do as believers? We just let it just go with it. So the more you, you, you as you're trying to develop kingdom of God thinking, you're going to end up in a place in your life where it says, okay, I'm going to have to get to this conclusion. What did God say about everything? What did God say about this? What did God say about that? All right? Now, let's get into where we're going to go. So, number one, this is a big one. I'm going to give you two and I'm going to kind of two or three ideas in here. The Apostle Paul had the right focus because he said this one thing. This is one of those scriptures that has helped me so much in my life. I, mean, I thank God I, early on in my life in ministry, I was able to get a hold of that. And I use it a lot because if I didn't use that, I wouldn't be here today, I promise you. And he simply makes a statement. He says, this is the one thing I do. The great apostle Paul. The one thing I do. And I always thought of myself, I said, I had this mental picture or video in my head that says, if I could ask Paul one thing, like if he was at a book signing, you know what I'm saying? Like if he's signing his books, and I, I'm in front of the apostle Paul, and everybody's in a hurry, you, get, you only got one question you can ask the guy. I would ask him, Paul, what is the one thing you do for success in ministry, right? Just give me one idea. I can't, you can't give me 40 because, you know, there's a big line. I believe he would say that because he says, this is the one thing I do. And this is the one thing that you need to do to have success in the kingdom of God. You forget those things that are behind. Let that one sink in. How many...
Test, test, test. So Paul says the one thing I do is forget those things that are behind. Does that mean the good things? Not necessarily. But think about all the time that you waste, and I'm thinking of my own life, dwelling on the past, dwelling on past mistakes, dwelling on, on things that you could have done better. Now, the only thing you want to you know, bring from your past are lessons that you've actually learned. Because, you know, here's another little lie that people adopt as truth. They say, you know, well, experience teaches you. Not necessarily. I've seen some people do the same dumb thing for 40 years. Some of you are married to that person, right? I, I mean, experience, doesn't, experience is not a, not a teacher unless you actually learn something from it. Can you hear an Amen. Experience? I mean, I, come on, how many of that person does the same dumb thing over and over and again? When I was in the world, you know, um, I, like I said, I lived a very destructive lifestyle, which included smoking cigarettes I, you know, in Mexico. And every single pack of cigarettes that I ever carried in my pocket, or, you know, wherever I carried it, every single pack of, of, of cigarettes had a little, you know, disclaimer on it that was truth. And it was said very nicely and very politically correct. But the bottom line, basically, it says, if you smoke me, I will kill you. Right? That's what it says. Now it says, oh, the Surgeon General has determined. No, no. It, smoke me, die. That's what they should put. And I carried that for years in my pocket. Question, did that stop me from smoking? I had that little truth right here. Every time I pulled a cigarette out, the truth would be right there. You know, no difference. So what I'm saying is just knowing something or having experience on something not necessarily changes anything in your life unless you begin to pay, take the truth out of it and say, this is what I learned. So... When you talk about this principle, the one thing I do is forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to the things which are before. That is like so kingdom of God mindset because even in ministry, even in your business, you know, when I want to talk about a little bit about business, you know, I failed so many times in so many different businesses before Jesus and even after Jesus a few. You know, I've always been had this entrepreneur edge to me and we've all done I could tell you crazy things that we were involved in, from selling shoes to, to selling in La Pulga, to selling firewood, to selling candy, to selling stuff you can't say because it wasn't legal, to selling a bunch of stuff. I'll tell you once time, my wife and I, we were crazy teenagers. One time we sold a bunch of trees. I'm talking like big trees, completely illegally in Mexico off a mountain. He said, Pastor, we weren't saved, all right? Y'all don't be judging us. Monica's laughing because those trees belonged to a mountain that belonged to her grandmother, but her grandmother didn't know that we were selling her trees. Anyway, that's a long story. Oh, I could, I could tell you stories, guys, that you would never, ever even believe that we were involved in. But um, my point is, so God gives you a business idea now, and what are you going to do? You're gonna, you're gonna, God says, hey, this is a great business idea. You're like, you know, I see it. I see it. That, that's going to make some money. And then here comes the devil, watch. Yeah, but remember all those other businesses you failed at? What is he doing? He's taking you back to your past. So I'm telling you, number one, everybody say number one, kingdom living, forget the past. You can't dwell on it, you can't sit there. What does, what, how does it help you? You know, and marriages today are failing because people can't process these things and relationships with your kids are, are failing because you can't process things because yeah well you know I understand 
you know, I went through this. Yeah, I, I get that. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go back to my other mic. At the end of the day, what can you change? Caden's got to do an essay due tomorrow. Thank God it's only a fifth grade essay, which is four paragraphs. You know what it's about? Time travel. I'm like, oh, I like it. I like it. Guess what? We don't have a time machine. So you can't time travel. So why do you keep beating yourself up over your past mistakes? Am I helping you? See, in kingdom of God, you have to have this focus because the devil will torture you with your past. The guy that wrote this was completely unqualified to be involved with the church because before this job, guess what he was doing? Killing Christians and authorizing the execution of Christians and authorizing Christians to be thrown in jail and authorizing Christians' homes to be burned down in Jerusalem. This guy, Paul, that's what he was doing. So he's got a pretty deep revelation. And by the way, guess what? When he first got saved, the church didn't like him. The church didn't believe he was saved. They believed, the church believed he was a spy. And even after he proved he wasn't a spy, they still didn't like him. They were like, no, 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 dude, we know what you did. We know what you were doing. Because, of course, you're always going to have wonderful spiritual people reminding you Right, Annie? Of your past. Because that's what Christian hyper-spiritual people do say. Yeah, but remember, you were not a good person, Boston. Put that little bony finger right between your eyes. No, no, no. Kingdom is about you get a new shot at life. Kingdom thinking is about, yes, we were, we were this kind of people, but now we're moving to be a better kind of people. And you have to, because your past will torture you. If I'm not careful, I'll go back to my childhood. I'll go back to my days when I was a bad, bad, bad person. And if you're not careful, you begin to dwell on that. I'll go back to the time that I lost tons of money and bad investments. I'll go back to the times, you know, that, that, that this happened, that that happened. And pretty soon, all that just becomes this massive ball of depression. And now, you, now instead of going to the kingdom, now you're going for a jar of pills, which is not helping it. It's only smothering it for a little while. And now you have this vicious cycles in you. And, and God the whole time says, hey, man, get, out, get past your past. You have to get past. Kingdom does not permit, because what is in our past? Let me, let me close this point. Our past is living in that world. That's why the world was broken. That's why we were in a mess. Amen. So by me going back into there, I'm already kind of violating the idea that God is trying to change my thinking into a new way of thinking. Because this is really the key, guys. I, mean, I know we talk a lot about it in this church, and there's not one year that I've preached that we haven't preached about the idea that you have to work on changing the way you think. You just have to work on that. You just can't say, well, that's the way I am. No. You got, you, the Bible says he, you have the mind of Christ. You got to learn to process thinking through the eyes of Jesus. What, you know, how would he react? What would he do? So Christian morality and the kingdom realm of God. Now, this is the one I wanted to get to, and you guys just got to track with me because from this point forward, I'm going to make my little disclaimer. There's absolutely no condemnation in everything I'm going to say. And everything that, that I'm going to say is, is, I'm going to just take one passage, but I'm going to give you two scriptures of reference. Paul mentions this at least three times in three different books. So when, when the Holy Spirit permits something to be in the books over three times, this is not just one random thought that Paul had. He talks about it in Corinthians. He talks about it in Ephesians. He talks about it in Galatians. And he talks about it in other places indirectly. But now we are here. Okay, so pastor, I get it. I'm called to live kingdom thinking. What's next? All right? Let's go into the scriptures, and, and this is my, um, I'll skip that one. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 
Surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. All right, we kind of already, Jesus kind of brought that up, right? You have an evil eye, so forth. And then he begins with first things first. He says, stop being deceived. Now that little thing repeats itself in different places. One, another place it's repeated. We talked about it last week, I believe, at least in one of the services. Genesis, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 6 says, don't be deceived. And, and in, in Galatians 6, he refers to the seed, right? Don't think you're going to sow a certain seed and reap a different harvest. Whatsoever a man soweth, that he reaps. You don't sow an apple seed and get tomatoes. That's not going to happen, all right? Well, that's the other time you see the, and the, and the word deceive means misled, deluded, thinking that you're okay. Because you know what it's, well, you know the funny thing about deception is the people that are deceived don't know they're deceived. You can sit here today, I can sit here today, and we can be deceived on all kinds of levels, and we don't know we're deceived. That's what I'm saying. I mean, can you really trust the news, guys? Come on. I don't care if you're watching the left side of it, the right side of it, or the middle side of it. Can you really trust the news? No, because they're just going to feed us whatever they think we need to hear at the time. So I choose to kind of, I watch news like, mm-hmm, <laughs> whatever. The deception within the church is I can live however I want to and God's still going to love me because he's a big puffy pillow and everything's going to be all right. Well, sunshine, I got some news for you. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. I'm not even talking about do you get to heaven or not. I'm not even touching that. Maybe that's another thing for another time. This is not about, is your eternity guaranteed? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, do you want to live in the kingdom of God? Inside and outside. That your world, your life, your family, your home is governed by a supernatural kingdom, or your world, your life, and your, is governed by a world kingdom. Now we're talking to believers. Those watching me online, here we go. It says, surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. And then he breaks it down. He said, stop being deceived. And here, here's a list. Like I said, there's no, what I'm preaching, there's absolutely no condemnation. I'm just saying, but you need to hear this because in Christianity today, there's not a whole lot of difference between the world and the church. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality. Idolatry. Adultery. Sexual perversion. Homosexuality. Fraud. Greed. Drunkenness. Verbal abuse. Extortion. These will not inherit the kingdom of God realm. Simple statement. This is not a hateful statement. This is not a hate speech. There are some places in Europe I can't even read that. There's countries in Europe, if I was to preach, I could not say the word homosexuality. I would be arrested for hate speech. And I'll make my little disclaimer. I'm not anti-homosexual. We're not homophobic. To me, it's just a sickness like every other sickness, and they can be healed. And they deserve grace. And all those people deserve mercy, and they deserve love. But it's not okay. It's not normal. You don't have to agree with my statement, but you're going to have to disagree with God's word. That's all I'm saying. You know, Pastor, I don't, that's fine. We're, we're still friends. I love you. I mean, if you're gay, I still love you. I don't have a problem with that. 
But don't, you know, you can disagree with me, you can agree with me, but, but one thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to disagree with God. Because he's the one that said it. And he said it all through the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. And there's a very progressive, liberal Christian thinking today. I had endless conversations with a really, really good guy. I actually like that he's very, you know, in that process of thinking. And I, and I threw a question out there. This is not a judgmental question. It was just, like I said, somebody I, I you know, I, I engage. I don't have a problem with him. Loves, I'm, I'm sure he loves Jesus. But, you know, he has a very progressive, liberal Christian thinking. I said, would you take your family and submit them? Because, you know, when you come to a church, like it or not, you do come under the authority of the pastor of the church. That's just Bible. I'm not, I don't like to, I mean, I'm not here to control anybody, trust me. But you come and you say, okay, I'm taking my family. When you release your kids into that super kids, you're permitting Miss Angie and her team to have spiritual authority over your kids. In other words, they're teaching them the principles of God. When you drop them off in the nursery or jam club, or even sitting here, because you're saying, okay, I'm sitting here with my family, and you're preaching something, Pastor. That's why I have a great, great responsibility, because I know that if I say something that is not lined up with what I know is the Scripture, it could mess you up forever. And I will be accountable for that. God said pastors will be accountable for what I teach. So i got to make sure everything I teach is in the Word, not my opinions. i got lots of opinions, trust me. And sometimes I, I release them, but I always say, this is my opinion, guys, and this is the Word. And when we talk about along these themes, it gets a little uncomfortable in a church because people don't want to be faced with this because people want to still live their life. And, and not one of them is worse than the other one. We could just major on homosexuality. No, homosexuality is not any worse than greed or fraud or verbal abuse. It's not, I mean, it's not any different. God is just simply saying, if you want to live in the kingdom realm, you need to stop doing this. But the thing is, in his grace and mercy, this is where he provides a path for you to fix this. And I think one of the sad things of where we're going with Christianity today with progressive and liberal thinking is that we don't say there's a path to get this right. They just simply say, no, no, God loves you. Do whatever you want to. God loves you. He died for all your sins, all your past, present, and future. And with that disclaimer, and I believe that, but I don't believe it in the context that they say it. Oh, well, I can just live my life however I want to, and I'll be fine. Yeah, you're just, you know, just show up to church on Sunday. If you want to party like a rock star from Sunday to Saturday, that's fine. Well, no, it's, not, it's not fine. Because what you're happening is you're taking a whole lot of people down a path of destruction. And what is the destruction? That the word will have no power in your life. And going back to this conversation, I said, would you submit a spiritual leader? This, I asked this question. Your family, bring your family to a church and let the pastor minister to your family and pray for your family and, and, and bury you and marry you and do all the things that pastors do, but the pastor is an open homosexual? And you know what they answered? They said, yes, I don't have a problem with that. That was quite shocking to me. Because it, it, this comes on, come across like something, I'm being homophobic. No, I'm not being homophobic. I'm just saying God did not ordain that. You can ordain every homosexual pastor you want in every church. That's still not God's plan. Because if that's God's plan, then we've got a whole lot of scriptures we've got to get rid of. And if I start eliminating scriptures, well, kind of like the cancel culture, right? We just cancel scriptures we don't like, H. 
I'll cancel that one and I'll go look for another woman. Then my wife will kill me, you'll need another pastor. Así como la vez de calladita, ¿no? Right? I'll just cancel this one and, you know, next Sunday there'll be two women sitting there. You're like, what happened? Well, I just canceled that one and so I got two. That sounds so stupid, Pastor, but I'm saying, which one do you want to cancel out? Which one is bothering you that you say, no, 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 not the sexual immorality, not the drunkenness, let's not go there. Because, you know, the Super Bowl's coming and I, got a, I already bought my beer and I got it all written right down. Well, we're having a Super Bowl party here, no beer. You can come, you'll be all right, all right? Go Kansas City. What's that other guy's name, the quarterback? I've heard about him. Anyway. All these are not different. So don't leave here this place. Well, Pastor Box has talked about against homosexuals. No, I'm talking about everything. This is not one thing. That's what I'm trying to say. But, but I mean, think about how far does your mindset that you would accept that situation. The same way I would not accept... And I've dealt with these things as, as a Christian leader and being a head of Christian organizations with pastors. I've dealt with situations where pastors were committing adultery and they were still preaching. And I'm like, no, no, that's not the way it works. You got to stop committing adultery. You got to get restored. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe not. Someday down the future, if really there's, there is grace and there's restoration. But I would have the same apprehension to bring my family and sit them in front of a pastor that is living an immoral life. You know, if I know a pastor is cheating on his wife and it's open, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to call him my pastor. Are you kidding me? I'm not judging him, church. Listen to me. We're talking about kingdom of God boundaries. Well, I don't believe in that. That's fine. But we need a people that can live in the supernatural. Look at the situation the world is. And that doesn't mean, you know, we can all say, well, I don't have some of these, but maybe I have some of the other ones. Maybe I have a little bit of greed. You know, maybe, maybe I'm, I have a tendency to do fraud. Because I know every one of you never lies on your income tax form. Nervous laugh across the church. Got it. So, you know, we're all in this together. We're all on a path of imperfection on all kinds of different levels. Yes, amen? We're all on the same path of imperfection. Somebody might have some of those perfectly down, but they might have to work on some other ones. This is not about judging you. This is not about eliminating you from the God's kingdom realm. Much to the contrary, this is something to point out something that maybe you need to work on if you want to live in the kingdom of God. That's why I'm not saying this is about going to heaven or going to hell. This is more about how, what kind of life do I want to, to live? I don't know how you see your life, you know, and, and this might not be a real hyper-spiritual, but I got three beautiful grandkids, another one on the way, and we were kind of joking about it yesterday. <laughs> Caden's so funny because he comes up with some of the things. And, and, um, and Mon Monica gets mad because I really almost, almost let them do whatever they want to. Almost. And I always buy them stuff. I mean, it's like, that's just, I love to, you know, I love to bless them. And Monica says, you always do this. I said, yeah, because when I go to heaven, I want them to say, hey, Grandpa was so awesome. That sounds like a joke. But I also don't want him to go to heaven and say, Grandpa was so awesome, but he did cheat on my grandma. I don't want that stain. Are you, are you listening to me? You got a legacy. You got kids watching you. You got grandbabies watching you. 
So, it's, you know, and I, for, then, of course, you guys, I got a whole congregation out here, three different churches and, and respect and somewhat and other nations. And imagine all the people that I would have to let down to walk into that. I'm just picking one. But, you know, you could still have the sin of greed, though. So, you know, I, I can say on some of these, they're pretty clear. Idolatry, that's wide open for a lot of things. That doesn't just mean you have a Buddha and you rub its belly. <laughs> that means anything that you idolize over God. So, I mean, what, what Paul was saying is, look, there's all these things that are out there, and there is a path to fix it, and as soon as you get on the path to fix it, guess what? You're already tracking on the kingdom of God. So you, there's no way, there's not one of us in this room that's perfect, except Jesus. So he did not put something out there to say, you, there's no way you're ever going to get this right. No, and I know this is an overused little phrase that I use a lot in church, but I still believe it. I'm not perfect, but I am pointed. And I made one single choice, and I've been called primitive. <laughs> they didn't call me primitive, they called me lack of evolving. But... Um, to the fact that I say, well, you know, I made a simple, dumb choice many, many years ago that God's word is final authority in my life. I don't need to evolve it. I don't need to change it. I don't need to adapt it to my lifestyle or, or the culture of the day because the culture says that all these things are okay now. That doesn't mean God said it was okay. <laughs> and, I, this is not, and people say, well, you're judging people. No, I love people. I already told you I have no problem with anybody. My, I, the only problem I have with is the devil. He's the cause of all the headaches. But if anybody walks in with any of these things, to me it's the same thing. If you're a greedy person or you're an adulterer or you're homosexual or you're, you know, you're a drunk or you're just abused verbally, to me you all need Jesus. And Jesus is the answer to all of those. Are you still with me? All right. Almost done, guys. So I'm telling you, kingdom of God. So he goes on to say, you know, I just read the first scriptures. And those, the last two scriptures are just references, if you, if you care to go look at that, because he says exactly the same thing three times in three different books. Is it true? Now, here comes the closing, pretty much, of the service, but this is the instructions that everyone needs to hear today. It's true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles. Guess what? I lived in those lifestyles. Of darkness, of no boundaries, of just do whatever you want to. But now you have been purified from sin. You've been made holy and given a perfect standing before God, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you remember what we talked about? The kingdom of God was not about enticing words or eloquent words. It was about demonstration of power. And that word power is dunamis, explosive, changing power. All because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit of God, it's true. I like this scripture, and it is true, and it's true for you this morning, and it's true for back the first century church, that our freedom allows us to do anything. And guess what? In this nation, well, as of now, it's still the most free nation. You can do whatever you want to. You got a wonderful, today on one of our conversations, you talk about, you'd like to be a fly in my car. You know what? I'm talking to my grandson today on the way to church about the Constitution. He said, oh, what a boring grandfather. Because I need that kid to know his rights. I said, your First Amendment. It all started because, of course, the agent asked me where I was going, and I didn't start something. I just said, Heaven Bill. And Caden, because he's been in he, he says, he can't ask that. Well, I said, so he, can ask, he can ask where he wants to, but we just don't have to answer that. I said, it's called the Constitution. 
And he asked me another question. I said, you got to learn the Constitution. you got to learn the Bill of Rights, First Amendment. Because that's getting snuffed out as we speak. Church, wake up. Good morning. America's changing. And if they do away with our Constitution, and if they do with our Bill of Rights, and the only way they're going to do with them is your ignorance of them. All right, I'm done with that one. My point is, we live in the most free nation in the world. And as far as Jesus is concerned, you can do anything you want. As far as Pastor Box is concerned, you can do whatever you want. I'm not God. I'm not your dad. You want to party? Do whatever you want. I still love you, man. You're human. You're a person. You're, you're, you know, you're a child of God as far as I'm concerned. But he does say, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. That's called responsibility. And the church is losing its responsibility because kingdom of God living has these borders. Well, I don't want to do that. I love you. But don't get surprised because the person next to you is tracking and tracking on prosperity. They don't get sick. Their family's doing good. And your life just doesn't seem to get, you know, it's like an old car that don't start. And the other guy's got a Ferrari. What happened? Then you get mad at me. You get mad at God. You get mad. No, no, no. The only thing that happened is you're outside of the parameters. That's all that happened. Does God love you any less? No. He can't. But you're not in, within the parameters. Because the parameters demand you to recognize some of these things and say, yes, I have a problem, and I'm going to work on it. Even if it takes you 20 years to get it right, as long as God knows you're working on it, he, he has grace for that. That's the beauty of grace. As long as God knows your heart, say, I do need to change this thing in my life. It, sometimes it takes people a day. Sometimes it takes people years. But grace is there if your heart is right. But grace is not available if you got that attitude like, nah, whatever. God loves me. I'll still go to heaven. That's a bad attitude. And I would not jeopardize my eternity on that attitude. Trust me. So he says it's true that our freedom allows us to do anything, but that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. I'm free to do as I choose, but, I, but I, I choose to never be enslaved to anything. That is such a good statement. So yeah, I can choose to do a thing, but you know what I'm going to choose? I don't want to be enslaved by anything. And then he goes on and says, some have said, I eat to live and live to eat, but God will do away with it all. The body was not created for illicit sex, but to serve and worship our Lord Jesus, who can fill the body. And there's the whole key again, right where we started, with himself. This is not about filling your body with doctrine of faith way or what Pastor Box said. This is about filling yourself with Jesus. And I'm telling you, church, I don't know, it take me a long time to explain more than I, can, I have, but this is not a hard thing to do. It is so difficult. I want to leave you with this. It's so difficult to try to change anything in your life on your own. We struggle. I mean, I, when I was trying to get delivered of my mess, I wanted out. I couldn't do it. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the ability to overcome addictions. But God, right? I, for years, it wasn't like I was enjoying any of it. I knew I needed help. Come on. I didn't know somebody come and tell me, you got a problem. Like, really? Tell me something I don't know. I had a problem, and I had no strength to overcome it. But I came to him, and I presented the problem to him. And through a long series of events, which I don't have time to share, he met me one day, took a nap, a 20-minute nap, on a Sunday afternoon in September of 1992, boom, instantly delivered of over 14 years of addictions. 
Instant. No withdrawals, no shakes, no sweats, nothing. Instant. And that, doesn't matter who believes or doesn't believe it, that's, what, that's my experience with Jesus. And in my lightning fast mind, I figured if God can do that, he can do a lot of other things. Because I was, I was healed, but we were still very broke. I didn't have a job. My car had been repossessed. I came to Jesus, you know, zero. Nothing. So anything you see in my life today, it's all because he gets the glory for it. Everything down to the clothes I wear. And I discovered that. You can give the Lord praise. Come on. If you're going to clap, clap, you know. <laughs> so I want to just, I'll just close with that. Kingdom of God is a, is a lifelong trek. And I'm sure when we get to heaven, it will continue to try to understand some of these things. But it's not a difficult trek. It's based on a decision you can make. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. I want to pray this over you. And if you're watching us online, you know, you're still, you're, you're very much part of this church. Interact with us. Let us know you're there. If you need prayer requests, you can do it, private messenger, however you want to, but you're still part of the church. I just want everybody to close their eyes this morning, wherever you are watching us, you're watching us in the building or online, and let's just do this not as a cute little repetitive prayer. Let's, even though we're on and we're right, it's still a great prayer. Let's do a recommitment prayer, even though we're, we're good. It's just a good prayer. I want you to say it if you believe it. It's basically the prayer of salvation, and if you've never prayed it, pray it by faith. Give Jesus some, some room in your life. He's not trying to, he knows we're imperfect. And he knows you, you have a lot of things in your life, and I have a lot of things in my life that still need to be changed. And that's why we're here this morning. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you with no excuses. I see that I need a Savior. I can't do this on my own. So take my life and plant it into your life. And Jesus, come in my life as my Lord and Savior and bring your kingdom with you. Today, I believe with all my heart that I have a brand new citizenship to the kingdom of God. And I will learn the rules and I will learn the borders and I will walk in this realm in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let that sink there. So right now, everybody, those here, those online, we're all in the same place. So now you have an opportunity to say, God, help me. That's between you and the Lord. I'm going to pray a prayer for you, but, you know, every head bowed, every eye closed, and just, just a little in your mind, if you want to verbalize it, that's fine. But don't, don't leave this building thinking you got it all together, because you don't, and I don't. We don't have it all together. We all have room for improvement. And make a choice as you leave this building that you'll remain the rest of your life completely pointed to Jesus. Not trying to, you know, yes, perfection is our goal. Are we going to attain it? Probably not. But we can fix a lot of stuff. And you know what's amazing? Just keep your eyes closed. As you're fixing these things, your life gets better. Kingdom of God living has a way of making your life pretty awesome. And people loving you and people respecting you. Think about your family and think about your kids and think about your grandkids. Think about the legacy you will leave. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. As people come to you this morning, and maybe there's a lot of things that they need to track with you, and so do I, Lord. But we simply come to the place of grace. 
No excuses, no other reason. Just say, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me be a better husband. Help me be a better dad. Help me be a better grandfather. Help me be a better pastor. Help me be a better businessman. Help me, Lord Jesus, I need help in so many areas. Lord Jesus, there's areas in my attitude I need, I need more of you, more love, more compassion, more grace. And I just thank you, Lord, that there are people, I believe, with all my heart, listening to my voice here in this building, in our online church, that are making some quality decisions to change some things. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you grant us that, because we can't do this on our own, Lord. We could never have been able to do this on our own, and we're not about to start. So I just give you praise and glory, and I thank you, Father, that grace is being released through this building right now. I'm telling you, church, if, if, you've, if the Holy Spirit has called you out on some of these things, trust me, just trust him. He will love you through it. He will get you through it. He will give you the strength not to, to continue in destructive behaviors. He will do it all. But he needs you to participate. So, Father, we make a choice to participate with the kingdom of God. And, Father, as we close this series this morning, I just thank you, Lord, that we've learned some things, reminded us of some things that, we've, that we needed to be reminded. But we are looking forward to 2021 to truly be a year of kingdom living in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you. You may be seated. Glory to Jesus. We're almost out of here, guys. As you know, um, I still haven't been able to. We're just kind of going with what we have. But as soon as I leave, say amen, I got to start heading to Laredo to the second service. And it's, 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 it's working out really good for Laredo, I think. Um, we're having new families. It's a way better schedule than we had. I was trying to find something I wanted to read to you. Now I can't find it. Where is it? Oh, well. I <laughs> guess I'm not going to read it to you. There is a word, and I don't know why I can't find my iBooks. Is it iBooks? iBooks? I put it there. Oh, well. Who knows where that app is? Okay. I'll forget it. There's a word out there that um, the Brother Copeland received last year and um, Jerry Savelle received another one. And I don't, you guys know how this is. There's a lot of people say, I heard from the Lord, but these are some people that I do trust. You know, I've followed their ministries for as long as I've been saved. Well, one of the reasons I was saved was because I read a book by Kenneth Copeland that brought me to a place of making a decision that the Holy Spirit could use and, and set me free. That, the rest of that story of that Sunday afternoon was a little book. And he talked about 2021, and there's some amazing things, so you need to, to look it up. We'll post it. But he talks about, the, the one thing that got me was so blessed. He said that 2021 is the year of the local church. That God's going to move within the local, that's us. So everybody say, that's me. And that really got me excited, because I'm thinking, you know, this church has every component to be, how can I put it in the right context, to be a history-changing church for even this community. We have great people. We have a lot of people that are on, you guys, that get it, that, that are beginning to see this thing the way it is. And, you know, one of the things that we, we have to, as much as we can, we have to be a church that doesn't act like there's COVID. Does that make sense? As much as we can. We have to act like that's not part of us, and, and we, we're doing it. We're doing it. You know, yes, we, we ha still have to social distance, all that. I get that, the masks and all that. But we, we do want to get back on track with our vacation Bible school, and, and for that, we need teams, and we need people serving, and we need young people. Young people are the best, young people, because you guys have all this great energy. And so we have a lot of plans, and I really just want to say this this morning, just encourage you to try to, 
plug yourself into some of these things, you know, start thinking about it. Because one of the biggest lies that the devil's going to tell you, and he's already told some of you, he says, oh, no, no, you just started going to church. You can't serve. That's not the pastor. That's the devil, all right? As far as I'm concerned, everybody can serve. We'll find different levels of service. Trust me, you know, you're not going to get to preach, <laughs> you know, eventually maybe, but, but you have to get involved. Because the Christian way is doing something for Jesus. And, and there's so many opportunities, you know, we need people serving in the nursery, we need people serving on the hospitality team, we, and super kids, and, and just other things, you know, Lauro's got this, um, I think you guys got it all together, right, the Super Bowl party going. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that we're doing, and it's not, you know, about parties, it's really about just drawing people and get to know us. There's people that, that like this church today, that the first encounter with this church, they came last year to the Super Bowl party, and they found out that, that most of us weren't weird. I'll just, that's a disclaimer, most of us, because... Anyway, so, um, and they say, wow, you guys are like almost normal. I'm like, yeah, almost, you know. So they say, hey, this is a church that is, because people have this preconceived idea of church. How many had that idea? I had that idea. Yeah, church. It's like going to the dentist, you know. It's not. We're a family. We care for each other. And by the way, God bless you and thank you for, we're going to give the, the money that we raised last week to that lady from Faithway Laredo. It's a, it's, by the way, it's one church. Three locations, all right? So it's not three churches. And we were able to bless her a little bit to help to cover some of the expenses for the treatment for the, for the cancer and everything. And she did have a, a procedure this week, and it came out really, really good. And she was really excited about it. So, you know, thank you. But that's who Faithway is, right? We're a family. So as a family, we try to help each other. We try to get involved with each other. We try to support each other. So just kind of, I don't say, it's not even about praying a whole lot. Of, here's the prayer you don't want to do. Lord, show me if I'm supposed to do something. No, he already said in the Word. So he's not even going to talk to you about that one. In other words, you should say, Lord, show me where am I supposed to serve? Because the Bible is pretty clear about serving. So get involved with us, because I, I, I do think there's going to... We really haven't planned this year out because of the whole mess. Most of the time, by this time, every year, we've already got everything in place. The whole calendar's in place. I haven't even done it, because we, we're quite a bit... But now, I'm the, so you know what? January's done. We're doing this. February, we're going to set our calendar. I'm going to plan mission trips. I'm going to go out by faith. I'm going to set dates to go to Cuba, dates to go to Ukraine, even though things are still weird. We're going to set dates for our vacation Bible school. You know, we're going to assume all these things are going to be on, but we have to get that, and for that, we need teams. So I don't want to go on and on. It's just pray about what, part, what is your part within our teams. Amen? All right, so the last thing we'll do this morning before we go, and I'll just go ahead and, and take care of it up here, and I'll let Kathy close with it. She has other announcements. Um, she'll say it again, but I keep reminding you, next Sunday we are having our Super Bowl party here. What time do we start at five? Four? And it's going to be, well, you guys can kind of, when I'm done, share a little bit about, for those that don't know or those watching online, it's not just coming here and watch the football game. There's a bunch of stuff going on. There's activities for the kids. There's door prizes. There are all kinds of cool stuff. So anyhow, um, if you have an envelope for your giving or if you need to give your offering, I won't talk anymore about that because of time, but... You know, money is just a tool of ministry, and we need it, we use it, it blesses people. This last week, we were able to um, buy Pastor Yoel two tickets to fly from Havana to, to Miami to, he's got to do a bunch of legal stuff so they can ship containers. They got air conditioning units, they got, and sometimes these containers take from three to six months, but he had to come to Miami. Well, guess what? You guys helped us pay for that, so God bless you for that. And, and you should see the text that he's, he's eternally grateful and some say, well, what, you know, the thing in Cuba, if you don't understand how hard it is in Cuba, don't judge that because 
They need all the help we can help give them. They're our, our brothers and sisters. You know, tomorrow I send money down to Mexico to keep the doors open to that church, even though the church is closed, but we have a great location and we don't want to lose it. They closed the churches down there again for COVID, so Cuba, the churches are closed for COVID again. But um, so, you know, your money is, is moving. Your money is moving into other nations, and um, God bless you for it. Amen. So if you need to give online, there'll be information on the screen. You guys can remove that and put the other one. And um, envelope if you, if you need one next to you, and I'll, I'll pray for this offering, and then I'll hand this over to Miss Kathy. So, Father, we thank you this morning for this offering that we give, and we thank you, Lord, that for the obedience of covenant, and I thank you, Father, for the word. And I pray, Father, as, as we head to Laredo, that the anointing and the presence and the life of God will be on that service, just like it is on this one. And we thank you, Father, for a church that gets it. We sow our seeds in love and obedience to you, Father, knowing that we cannot outgive you. We cannot outgive you. We take our tithes, we take our offerings, and we plant them into the ministry for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, with that, as you know, we're going to have to... Um, and um, we'll see you all Wednesday night. God bless you. Kathy, here you go. Why don't you guys give God a big, big hand clap? I like when you all do that. Thank you, Kathy. Unmute the mic, please. Okay, here we go. There we go. So um, just to give some more details on the Super Bowl um, party that we're having next week on Sunday, it's going to start at 4 o'clock. Doors are going to open at 4 o'clock. And if you've been to one of these before, we are getting better and better every year. We're adding more things and making it more fun for the whole, whole family, the entire family. So um, doors open up at 4 o'clock. There's still room on the sign-up sheet if you want to be part of the team. And just as Pastor mentioned, youth, you guys are more than welcome also to join on this team. This is a fun event, and it's fun for all ages. So youth, you guys are encouraged to step up and, and join in on the teams also. So what happens is we give... Um, prizes. We give, we draw names. As you come in, you'll sign up and um, you write your name and you get a raffle ticket number. And throughout the entire um, game, we'll be drawing numbers throughout the com commercials just to keep it engaging. And you guys get to win fun stuff. So last year we gave away TVs. We gave away an Xbox One, I think also. Um, we get visa cards. We give you, there's so many things that people just donate just to make this event a success. So it's awesome and it's fun. And all you football nerds out there, if you guys are very knowledgeable on football, we have trivia also. So I think all the guys had a lot of fun on this last year and all our peewee football players. I think we had like the whole like two rows of all the peewee football players answering all the questions and throwing in their their penalty flags trying to get the answers right so it's lots of fun and the food is good it's delicious and it's free and we just need you guys to show up we need you guys to bring someone um bring someone out from the community your friends your family i mean it's for the whole entire family um so just to move on, also giving statements, the year-end giving statements, these are already ready, and if you want yours to file your income tax, and if you want it sooner than later, there's a sign-up sheet on the Welcome Center, and you can just, if you want it through email, we can send that over to you ASAP, probably tonight or tomorrow. Just give your email on there, and we can send it to you. If not, we will have the rest of them ready by Sunday, and you can start picking them up, the paper copies. So Jason, my students, if you are 
um, aware tonight is the night, the deadline for the exam, and then we will be moving on to our last course. Can everyone give the students a hand? You guys are amazing. God has been so gracious because despite what this world has thrown at us, you know, with COVID and all the restrictions, these JSMI students have stayed committed and dedicated, and it's a lot of work and a lot of commitment to be spending time studying and completing all the essays to complete the exams and the work, and these students have been at it for a whole year, and the year is already up, and they are up for their certification, so we're very proud of every single person who is part of that. So you guys deserve another round of applause. Um, Parents, on February 14th, that's in two Sundays, Valentine's uh, Day, the students will be together, Super Kids and Jam Club, celebrating Jesus Loves Me. You can show up in your pajamas, and they will have a party. Um, and then we have ladies. Ladies, this one's good. All ladies, 18 and up, you're encouraged to attend this one. February 4th, that is this Thursday at 6 p.m., this is where you'll get all the good food in town. All the good food. This is where you'll come to get filled uh, in your belly and your spirit and your fellowship with, with your sister's like-mindedness. So it's, it's something that's awesome to set aside some time. That is Thursday, February 4th at 6 p.m. So that is it for the uh, announcement. So we can go ahead and rise. And let's just go ahead and pray for the entire service. I think Pastor already prayed for the offering. But... Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this service. We thank you for this building and for the family that you have blessed us with here in the church and here in our homes. And Father, we ask that you help us and guide us to walk into the kingdom living where you have called us to live in. And Father, we ask that the word doesn't just stay hidden here in our hearts, but that the word stays buried in our hearts and speaks through our mouth as we leave this building so that we can share it with each and every person that we come across. And to all the glory be to you, Jesus, and every child of God says, amen. Amen. So you guys are blessed.